0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to your Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Wish we were meeting under better circumstances. The Texans are throw- 0-3. I really would love to say 3-0, and I almost said 3-0. They're a perfect 0-3, unfortunately, and have not won a game since November 19th of 2017. That's what well, we're creeping up. It won't be a calendar year, I don't think. I hope not. And hopefully it gets changed this weekend against the Indianapolis Colts. But things are what they are. Appreciate you being here. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter for you. And we've talked a lot uh, this morning. We talked two hours about this game. I've come back and watched I don't know how many times of this game in the midst of watching the coaches' film as we speak. I have it in front of me. So if at some point I'm just like, oh, then you know that I've – brought my eyes back to something that I saw on on the film and it look Mark said something funny to me a little while ago he said I was as I was watching the game he said do we win this time around I was like nope I wish we did and there's so many things that you can learn from it you can obviously see some of the things the Texans are doing and and what they're doing well and some of the things that they need improvement upon there's no there's no question about that and when you're in a building that's 0 and three, as opposed to three and zero. Now I don't, I can't speak to three and zero. In 2014, we're two and one. In 2015, we were one and two. We just got a 10 point win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Everybody took a big sigh of relief. Whew, and then we were getting ready for Atlanta, and Atlanta was got awful. That was a miserable trip. But we started one and two in 15, and 16, two and one. But that week three game in 2016, a Thursday nighter up in New England, capped off by finding out that news that weekend that J.J. Watt was lost for the entire 2016 year. And then in 2017, also coming off, a 1-2 start. And that third game was to the New England Patriots, a game the Texans went up there and really opened up the offense and showed the Patriots some new stuff. Deshaun Watson, his second start, played that game. And, of course, Tom Brady bailed out the Patriots, a team that is struggling right now. Their only win against the Texans, and probably shouldn't have been a win. Man, can you imagine the Patriots had started 0-3? And I'm telling you, the Texans won that one. They very easily could be 3-0. and But if, if Anne's were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. No, I said that wrong. If Ands and buts, we're candy and nuts. We'd all have a Merry Christmas. Yeah, look, I'll get it right eventually. So uh, there you go. So locker room open to the media today. So a number of different players speaking on what happened on Monday or on Sunday and what's going to happen going forward. What does this team need to do? Let's start with Tyron Matthew. I think Tyron, if anybody, has got as great a perspective as you can possibly have on this thing. And he said, you know what, we're 0-3, but no finger-pointing around here.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's disappointing, you know, sitting at 0-3, especially when we know what kind of talent we have in the locker room. Um, And it's really, you know, like I said yesterday, uh, it's really going to come down to leadership. Um, We know how it is when you start losing in the league. A lot of noise goes on outside the building, and then noise could be created within the building. So, you know, leadership, got to do a great job of, you know, kind of keeping that to a minimum.
0: Now, one of the things that I think about a lot as it pertains to Tyrant is – the fact that he signed a one-year contract, and I I would love to see him stay here for a while. I think he has a significant impact on everybody in this organization. He said, I signed up to play here because I was coming to play with some good guys, some good teammates, and we could do some good things. Owen 3 be damned.
1: Well, I signed up to, you know, to play football, um, you know, and I, I tried to choose a, a good group of guys, great group of guys, um, and I feel like I, I've chosen the right place to come. Um, you know, we have some adversity. So, but at the end of the day, you know, a fight is a fight. Um, whether we were 3-0 or 0-3, no, you know, my hand is still being a pile, you know, trying to help us, you know, win the next game. So, um, you know, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to continue to do. Um, you know, and every time we line up, you know, I'm going to play as hard as I can.
0: When you walk through an NFL locker room and you talk to players and where they've come from and what they grew up with or what they grew up without, there are a number of them that will tell you, "Hey, man, 0-3, that's nothing. Look where I came from. Look at the adversity I fought through." Tyron put that well. He put that very well in the locker room today.
1: I look at my life. You know, I feel like I, you know, when I was born. I was 0-3. So I've been fighting this fight a long time. So, um, you know, it'll be some good that come out of it. I believe that. Um, you know, we have a great coach. We have a great quarterback. You know, we have great guys all around our team.
0: I love that. I feel like when I was born, I was 0-3. And that man has definitely come through adversity, there's no doubt. And he is, a he is, and I would imagine will be for a long time a role model for a lot of guys, not just in this locker room, but throughout the league, no doubt about that. Now, when teammates make mistakes, it's obviously something the Texans have done as a leader on this team. The responsibility, Tyron said, to making sure that we don't make those mistakes again and this is how he goes about helping those guys when they do make mistakes.
1: Initially, encouragement is probably the best the best answer. Um, but obviously, we're 0-3. So, you know, any mistakes from this point on has to be handled, you know, head on. So that starts with leadership and then coaching. So um, as long as leadership does it, coaches the coaches won't have to do it. Now, if leadership doesn't do it, then the coaches will have to do it. So... Um, At the end of the day, it always falls on the players.
0: One of the points you just heard in Bill O'Brien's, on the Bill O'Brien show talking with us, was the fact that the Texans have been their own worst enemy. And obviously that's a negative. Tyrant said, you know what, it's sort of a positive. The team that has beaten us is us. If we can get out of our way, we can go win games.
1: We could probably honestly watch the tape and say we've beaten ourselves three games in a row um, by like a total of 15 points. We're not that far off. Um, like I said, we just have to do better in preparing, you know, building up throughout the week. Um, and then on game day, starting fast and then finishing strong. So um, if we could do those things, and then, if you know, if our five-star players could play like five-star players, um, then we'll be good.
0: Everything that man said I agree with 1,000%, Tyron Matthew. All right, let's move on to the tight ends and start with veteran Ryan Griffin. And when asked to point out why the Texans were 0-3, well, there were a number of different reasons, and, well, Ryan addressed some of those here.
2: Definitely had self-inflicted wounds for sure. Uh, didn't help us out. Is it the reason we're losing games? Maybe. Uh, you know, it's a lot of things going wrong right now, so you've got to turn around.
0: One of the big storylines after the game was the play calling of Bill O'Brien. He was asked about it. He referenced it being not up to the standard that he wants it to be he was a little bit more forceful than that ryan griffin was asked about that and had this to say
2: anytime you know especially when you're losing win or loss you look at yourself in the mirror first and see what you can do better so i think everyone's doing that right now uh in the organization especially uh you know my teammates as well so in terms of play calling you know i can't control that i can control you know what i do on the field trying to execute my job
0: it's sort of a precarious position to be put in as a player when you are asked that particular question because if you say yes the play calling is bad well then oh my gosh it's headlines players are saying the play calling is bad but if you go the other way then uh, then are you being truthful about the situations it really is just a tough place to be and i think ryan though handled it perfectly in saying everybody in the organization is looking at what they have to do better to help this team get a win. We're all the same way. I mean, all of us. No, we're not on the field playing and and doing the things that these guys have got to do to go get a win. But for the players, they all are thinking, man, what can I do this week against the Colts to get a win? What is it that I've got to be able to do? Do I have to put more time in a weight room? Do I have to put more time in a film room? Do I have to do a little less? Do I have to make sure my body is right? Do I have to play through some – some nicks and and injuries, not injuries, but if you're a little if you're a little banged up, you have to play through that. Uh, if you are a little nicked up and banged up, do you have to do a little extra? I mean, every single guy is trying to figure out what he has to do to help this team go get a win. So I think Ryan is dead on with what he is saying, and that is everybody's looking at it, including Coach O'Brien. Coach O'Brien is looking at what he must do to get this going in the positive direction. And as a play caller, that's something that he's got to take a look at. As a head coach, there are things he's got to take a look at. As a tight end, Ryan Griffin has things that he's got to take a look at and figure out what he can do better. And then collectively, they got to put it together on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. Realize what it takes to then get a win and then do it again and then repeat that process. Right now, I think everybody's now kind of in a funk because it's, man – We've been at this thing since training camp. We've busted our tail, and we've been close in games. We've been right there in games. We just haven't done what we've needed to do to go get those wins. So I think Ryan's point is, is well taken because I think it's a very difficult question to have to answer as a player. But I think Ryan handled it very well. All right, let's move on to our rookie tight ends. Well, actually one of them, Jordan Thomas. Asked today about his blocking. That was a big storyline coming into the year. Former wide receiver and part H back, if you will, at Mississippi State, turning into a wide tight end, putting his hand to ground, having a block. How's that process going for him?
2: I'm working every day to get better at it. I mean, it's not where it needs to be, but it's, 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 it's good, you know? So I'm working every day at it. It still needs to be improved.
0: And you can tell that Jordan has certainly improved his blocking. From the very first time he put on pads with the Texans until now. And like he said, it's not perfect. He's getting better and he's improving at it. And I think that's the biggest thing. They're able to run the ball and have run the ball other than yesterday. Yesterday was definitely a challenge. But it was a challenge in particular on the interior. And once the Texans fell behind 20-6, 20-9, they really needed to throw the ball at that point to try and stay in the ballgame. And they did throw the ball, 300 and what, Deshaun, had 395 yards, 397 yards, something like that, threw the ball and threw it plenty. And now that run game and the pass game, they've got to meet together and they've got to play with a synergy. And most importantly, they've got to do it down in the red zone. When you have one of the ways the Texans got into the red zone yesterday was Jordan Thomas taking a, a little, little flip pass from Deshaun all the way down into the five-yard line. Jo- Jordan was supposed to be blocking on that play. But Deshaun kept the play alive. Jordan leaked out and found him. And Jordan said, I'm playing with a guy that can move. I better be ready.
2: That's a guy that's going to make plays, you know. He's going to extend the play. So you just got to keep a time clock in your head, too. Especially with me blocking, you know. I got to keep a time clock knowing that he can make plays, you know. He can he can turn nothing out of something. So he's, he's, he's good to play with.
0: When you play for a Power 5 school, a place like Mississippi State, you usually get out of the box pretty well. You might start 2-1, and one. sometimes you start 3-0, and oh. sometimes you, you go undefeated. Jordan Thomas is used to winning. A lot of these guys in the locker room came from winning programs. Starting 0-3, oh that's a tough road to hoe. But man, you are right in the midst of a season right now and one that you got to try and pull out of the fire. It is code red, if you will, to go get a win in Indianapolis. There's no question about it. So Jordan Thomas and these rookies are being thrown right into the fire and they've got to learn on the job. Jordan today was asked, what's the biggest adjustment to the NFL, especially at this point with a team that's not doing as well as it needs to be?
2: Being a pro, you know, I'm still learning how to be a pro, you know, coming in, get my body right, um, just doing all the things that, you know, I'm watching like Hop and all these other guys and just watching them how they do, come in every day and take every day. So that's how I do it.
0: I've been telling everybody since training camp, when 83 catches the ball on the run like that, ooh, buddy. Let me tell you, that's a scary sight if you're a defensive back. Need to see a little bit more. But two catches for JT on yesterday, the big one down the sideline. and Had another one later in the game. So two catches for him and need more from the tight end to the passing game. Now, that obviously is not really up to them, but they at some point got to get more involved. And obviously Ryan made that big catch down the middle. Which I hope to do Tellstrader on this week sometime. So be on the lookout for that. All right, coming up, it's our buddy Andre Ware. He had plenty of great things to say today. On the broadcast yesterday, and I wish this is something that we could have gotten into a little bit more. He mentioned that Saquon Barkley reminded him of a teammate of his, Barry Sanders. I thought that was dead on. Because it's a comparison a lot of draft analysts made as well. I could definitely see that comparison. There's no question about that. So Andre Ware will join us to talk about yesterday. I'm talking about moving on, and then where he goes this week for college football next on Texas All Access. Calling all Houston area teachers, want to bring a little Texans football to your classroom? Then sign up for Toros Math Drills, presented by Conoco Phillips. Toros Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toros Math Drills to learn more. That's HoustonTexans.com slash Toros Math Drills to learn more. And those are brought to you by Conoco Phillips. Welcome back to the show, Texans All Access, on a Monday night, still licking our wounds from Sunday was a rough afternoon glad you're with me I am your host John Harris football analyst and sideline reporter joining us right now is Andre Ware and Mark started him off with probably the most perplexing question of the day and a very important one having to do with the run game
3: why was it so difficult to run the ball yesterday we'll get to the passing game in a moment but they got nothing on the ground with the running backs
4: yeah, I think uh I think the Giants were just you know that that was their first order of business was to stop the run. And so you got a lot of seven man boxes, you you know, you got a nose tackle that's just extremely extremely hard to handle and and that seems to be you know, no knock against Nick Martin, but he's going to have problems against a player of that caliber. And then he seems to to not be himself whenever guys are right over his face. Those tackle caliber that the Giants had in Harrison. Yeah, that that makes for a a, a very very long afternoon and a tough tough football game.
0: Dre defensively yesterday. They have, obviously, a rough start to the game. But then they have this stretch of, like, four or five drives where it's punt, 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 like they did against Tennessee. But then at the end, they give up, you know, on the key drive of the game, when they've gotten it to 20 to 15, they give up the 77-yard touchdown drive. I, I I don't really know other than this. I, I don't even know if I have a question other than either playing two halves, it seems. Like, there's this good defense. It's like a Jekyll and Hyde defense. And I, and I don't know how it gets back to being just a more consistent defense. What are your overall thoughts about the way that unit is playing?
4: Well, when you uh, when you can get teams to second and long, third and long, that, that's you know that's the game plan. That's how uh, you want to make sure you have success on first and second down. When it's third and short, third and two, uh, that's a long, that's a hard way, hard long way. To, to go about your business on the defensive side of the football. And, you know, when you keep giving up third and two, and you know, one thing I noticed yesterday was kind of a head scratch. It's third and two, you know the ball's coming out, if they, and it's to the offense's advantage. So they can either run it or throw it. Well, you got to anticipate kind of both. and it, You're almost forced to play man, or at least if you're going to zone up, you've got to crowd the receivers. Where they're giving up shallow crosses – and the, the defensive backs are off five to seven yards. That's tough to uh, to to overcome over and over and over again in a football game. So I don't know that I have that total answer, but uh, there are some fixes that uh, that that you can you can help yourself with. And I'm sure they'll address those this week.
3: All right, Andre. Back to the offense here. Watson, what do you think? Three weeks in, the numbers look good, but obviously they need to finish drives. They need to do better in the red area, as Coach even said, but the penalties are really hurting them. What do you think overall of his performance? And then we'll get to the other nuances.
4: Well, you know, I still said it yesterday in the pregame show that, you know, you don't realize this and, and because he kind of spoiled, you know, all of us, myself, the fan base, you guys, with his play of last year. But you also have to realize this is a young man coming back from, you know, major knee surgery uh even though you know he's moving around and he looks like uh he did last year there's still some adjustment there in terms of you know game speed because he didn't play a lot in the preseason and so then you also have to realize that he's one game over halfway through his rookie season now and until yesterday it was he was about halfway through his rookie season so we're expecting a lot out of him because the talent is there but you also have to allow for the growth to come as well. So there are going to be some peaks and valleys, like the numbers that you're talking about. Well, he would easily give those up. And, you know, I don't get sold on numbers very much because they don't always equate to wins. And he would give up the numbers for the wins any day.
0: Dre, the offensive line obviously has been a story. We've heard Deshaun react to the, the penalties, and that's been a big part of the – the problem, Correct. in some sense, when they get inside the 10-yard line, the, the offensive line. And I think there's sort of a quandary. Mark and I talked about this earlier. Because when you get into the empty situations with Deshaun back there all by himself, it feels like that's where he's most comfortable. But yet, yeah. you've got no help for the offensive line, and they're kind of out on an island, and that's going to put him on the run. But if you want to run the ball, yesterday you really couldn't do that because Harrison and Tomlinson were dominant in the middle. What do you do on the offensive line to try and help that group out as much as possible to give Deshaun some more clean pockets to throw from?
4: Well, it's actually easier, in my opinion, to block it up when you're in empty or you're in four wides because now it's just man on man. And Deshaun can feel the pressure faster. You cloud it up. When you bring guys to the line of scrimmage, when you're going two tight ends, and now all of a sudden the defense can get exotic and you don't know where it's coming from. As well, the offensive line has to sort that out. And an experienced group that hasn't played together for a long time and can't communicate the way a veteran group can, they don't know who to pick up. I'm passing this guy to you. I'm going to take this guy. That becomes clouded. It's a lot easier when it's just – Five on four or five on five. Deshaun feels the pressure. He can step up, get away, get away from it and then still get the ball out. He also knows there's, you know, a, he's got to get it out in a faster manner when you do start to feel that pressure. You can also see when a team's going to blitz a lot faster from those looks, which is why they had their most success when they were in empty and four wides. So uh, I thought that they would go to it a, lo- a little bit more or a lot more than they did in the second half. But then they tightened it right back down, and now all of a sudden uh, you got guys. Ha- you, know, you got you got Deshaun having to point the mic, set the protection, this, that, and the other. Some some guys get it, four guys may get it, and one guy doesn't on the offensive line. Now you got a problem, and so uh, I-, I think he can play a little more freer as well when he's back there uh and it's four and five wise and this may be the uh the way to, to have a successful running game against a team that is coming into a game is hey we're just gonna stop the run. Well, all of a sudden you open the game that way and uh they're like, wait a minute, now we've gotta adjust our game plan. So uh who knows I hope hopefully we'll see a little bit more of that because I think that's right now that's their best option in terms of protecting him. Uh you saw it a little bit with Eli yesterday, especially early in the game. Uh, four wides are tight in that's flexed out and they were able to protect Eli Mann
3: that makes a lot of sense that's a really good point there Andre Andre Ware joining us all right so the Colts are next they came close against the Eagles couldn't run the ball yesterday it was raining in Philadelphia Wentz was sacked five times I'm thinking the Indianapolis Colts have some young defensive players that's what people tell me anyway that are going to be a threat they might not be flourishing just yet but they can make plays
4: You know, I have yet to start digging into the Colts, but I was thinking about this this morning. I was listening to you guys earlier. Um, I don't know that I could name three players on the Colts roster. That's just being (laughs) flat out honest. Because I haven't really opened the book and started started studying. They're so new. There's so much, you know, newness there that you just kind of forget that or you take for granted that, okay, I I know the Colts, but no, we really don't know them as well as we think we know them. I know they're playing some pretty good football. They've been in every single game uh, this year, and Andrew Luck seems to be, what I saw yesterday uh, and watching the Philadelphia game, um, he seems to be back to being himself, and and that gives them a chance uh, to be successful. It's a hard place to go uh, to win football games, obviously, for the Texans. They've only won there in two trips uh, and now going on 17 years. So I I know it's going to be a hard-fought football game. It's a a divisional game uh, that has some importance to it in that regard as well. But uh, this this won't be an easy chore. It it will be a tall chore in order to get uh, the first win of the season.
0: Hey, Dre, have you ever seen anything like what happened in, in Indianapolis? Yes, I know you weren't watching it, but Mark and I were talking about this earlier. On the final drive with the Colts down by four, Luck was oh in. And then the final play ended up being Jacoby Brissett throwing a Hail Mary. I, I don't know that I've ever seen that happen in a game where the quarterback plays the entire game, but then the other quarterback comes in and throws a Hail Mary. I, I want to say I saw it with one of the – I can't remember. Somebody had a big arm at some point, but it seems sort of odd. At the 46-yard line, they let Brissett throw it and not Luck. Yeah, two two reasons
4: for that, Johnny. Um, we say Andrew's back, and he can efficiently push the ball down the field where they were on the field. Jacoby Brissett has the stronger arm, if you can believe that or not, in terms of just being able to heave one and get at the length of the field and throw the Hail Mary. Secondly, uh, you don't want to risk injury mm. to Andrew Luck, in trying to do that, where he overextends himself, and then you have a severe setback. So I, I looked at it from that from that manner.
3: What about the Titans and the Jags in North Florida and Tennessee winning wow. a nine-six game?
4: First thing I thought was the weather. You know, it must have been raining and pouring down, and you know, just uh, just an ugly uh, football game. But uh, it just seemed to be a defensive battle. Uh, Tennessee is, they've got some talent. And when Mariota's in the game, he can cause some problems. And, and, uh, obviously we got a chance to see what Derrick Henry's capable of, you know, up close and personal. I, I still think the Jags are the more talented team, uh, in, in maybe all the football from top to bottom. other maybe outside of the Rams, because there's a t- tremendous amount of talent there. But without Fournette, They're a little bit different outfit. Now, last week they were able to get by without him, but uh, I'm not sure how many weeks away he he is. I think it was a hamstring injury uh, two weeks ago that that sidelined him. But when they get him back, they're different because they're more uh, versatile offensively. You don't know whether the the run's coming or if Blake Bortles is going to pick it up and throw it or they can work play action. But um, I I still like Jacksonville. It was just one of those days where maybe they felt like – uh we're we're at home we're going to overlook the, the titans coming in here and then they found themselves uh late in the game in a ball game that they couldn't pull out
3: big factor in that one mariota who came off the bench seven carries 51 yards wow yes yeah, that's that that, and that's what
4: he can give you yep. when you can play 11 on 11 it's like deshaun when you uh we were talking about spreading it out when you spread mm-hmm. it out now, all of a sudden, you're playing 11-on-11 11 11 because uh, you've got to have somebody in the middle, some li- and he's usually a linebacker, who he's going to outrun every time, uh, spying him. And, and uh, that's just definitely to your advantage.
3: Andre, we joining us. One more for you because everybody's asking it this morning about the Patriots because they lost last night to the Lions. They're one and mm. 2 is this it, or is it too early to say that this is it? Because they asked it when they lost to Kansas City three years ago. Everybody asks it every time they lose a game when they lost to Kansas City last year in the opener. But what about now? What do you think?
4: Um, they've, they've been successful for a very long time uh, under Coach Belichick. And I, I just think, you know, on, on a lot of levels that maybe they disrespected the Lions. They only had three receivers active yesterday. Mm. Um, <sighs> And so you, you go in there with that attitude and, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, Detroit's doing their thing. I think they had, they had an outstanding game plan on offense and, and how to move the football. And, and, uh, you know, you guys know how I feel about their guy under center. Uh, I, I think yep. he's one of the top two or three, four arms and arm talent in the league. But, uh, but I, I, when I saw what he was doing, and he being Coach Belichick with that roster, letting guys go. Nate Solder, who had been Tom Brady, protected Tom Brady for the last seven years, uh, his backside for the last seven years, and then this guy's leaving, and this guy. Maybe you're starting to outsmart yourself. And I equated to Chip Kelly when he first took the job at at Philadelphia. You know, everybody was in all, you know love Chip. He starts getting rid of this player, this player, and then my scheme can overcome everything. Schemes don't work without good football players. And I thought when the Texans roster came out, it was an excellent time to catch New England because they're going through some transition. And we just, you know, couldn't get the job done there on the road. But getting them early in the season as they continue to adjust – to a new roster and playmakers or the lack of playmakers around Tom Brady uh, is the absolute right time to get them. It's at some point this season, they're going to figure it out. It's it's better to get them before they figure it out than later down the line.
3: What do you have uh, college-wise, Dre? Hey,
4: I'm going to Boston College, back to, back to your neck of the woods in uh, Boston College mm. Temple this weekend. Both teams winning games and uh, I said it during the broadcast yesterday. Earl Campbell actually called AJ Dillon, who a lot of GMs feel like is the best running back in college football uh, at this point in the season because he's so big, so powerful. And Earl called him and, and paid him a nice compliment. And says when he watches him play, uh, he reminds him of himself. And so uh, I, I thought that was that was that was kind of Earl to do so, and, and some some big big kudos. So I'm anxious to see. Uh, this young man play this weekend
0: total dude aj dillon just telling you up front that dude is a baller all right we get back we'll have both the general and Spencer tillman join us right here on texas all access One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you. Plenty to do, so let's jump right in to the general. John McClain joined us, and, you know, he sort of sidestepped all the issues right off the bat. And by sidestep,
3: I mean not really. Okay, your thoughts a day later. We saw the report card. We read your stuff. What are you thinking the day after?
5: I think the Texans are the most disappointing team in the league. I think that the offensive line... Has just been abominable. And yesterday I felt sorry for Watson because, you know, most of the time he's having to get out of the pocket, throw on the run, touchdown call back. The penalties are just mind boggling. You know, I've never seen an offensive. That's not true. I remember one time Fred Miller of the Rams had a bunch of false starts, more like five or six at Tennessee. But uh, what Julian Davenport. Having four penalties and three starts is inexcusable. And that was four penalties on offensive line for the second week in a row. And, and really they may, they could have won the game. Having a touchdown called back and interception in the end zone, that's what's got to be frustrating for Bill O'Brien, the coaches and the players to know they've lost by seven, three and five points. And they've been in a position to win each game. And now they're 0 and three.
0: John, you gotta learn to be more honest with people about things. I mean, you really do. You can't, you can't hold back. You can't sugarcoat things anymore. John, defensively, Mark and I have talked about this. They have such a lousy start to the game with four possessions that go for a touchdown. Then they have four or five drives where they create punts and it looks like maybe they've gotten themselves out of a hole and they'll get the ball back, uh, down by five and then they give up a 77 yard drive for a touchdown at that point. We sort of, it feels almost like that's symbolic of this team, like they'll take two steps forward and three steps back, and then four steps forward and five steps back. It feels like they're symbolic of kind of the whole team. What did you think about that side of the ball yesterday? Well, first of all, they're playing from behind. They can't, they can't, they haven't been
5: consistent from start to finish. You know, J.J. Watt's performance was the, one of the few bright spots about the game, and but on that last drive to let Eli Manning just pick him apart, I thought that uh, Manning. Everybody knows we got to give him a lot of credit. He was throwing heck out the ball. His he was he was throwing his receivers open. They were getting open against the coverage. I don't think they had it drop and. Their offense just played great. They played the way they did when they won two Super Bowls. And the media covered the team I talked to afterward, they were stunned at how well the offense played, considering the way it played during the O2 start and t- scored two touchdowns total. They had not been able to get any pressure on the passer, or one sack, one interception, and uh, and then all of a sudden they came alive against the Texans. And I thought that they could, if the Texans going to Indy could put the play. An entire game, the way they played, all but the last drive, and they could win. I mean, that's the thing. They've been in position to win each game, and they've blown it. And it's been their own fault, and they
3: know it. John McClain joining us on Texans Monday. John, what about the Titans and the Jaguars? It seems like the Jaguars just have so much trouble handling the Titans. They win a field goal battle down in North Florida.
5: Bad Blake emerged again. Every time Blake Bortles has a good game, like he did in the previous one against New England, everybody's ready to say he's turned the corner. Then he stinks it up the way he did yesterday. That's the first time they've lost without Leonard Fournette. They're now four and one without him. And who was, they didn't want to put, the Titans didn't want to play Marcus Mariota because he had in trouble gripping the ball. It's so funny the Titans have thrown for like 117 and 108 yards the last two weeks, and they've won both games, both in the division. So they're two and one. Mike Vrabel's got to be just just beside himself and how well his guys have played. And their defense has been really good. You know, the question coming in was not the offense because they had Mariota, they had Delaney Walker, they had two good running backs, they had two offensive tackles who were number one picks. And then injuries has screwed all that up. But their defense has stepped up and their special teams have been real good for quite a while, although they lost to Dory Jackson, their punt returner. So I thought it was a great performance By the Titans, very clutch, throwback football. You see all these games where they're scoring 30s and 40s, and then you got one 9-6. It's like they step back into the 60s.
0: Well, talk about going into the future. Patrick Mahomes has taken the Chiefs on into the future, John. They score points at an unbelievable rate. In some sense, it's not too surprising. They've got all the pieces offensively. I don't know if the Chiefs keep this up offensively, but they're finding ways to win games. They win yesterday. But it felt like the story of that game was Jimmy Garoppolo with the knee injury. He is now out. I know San Francisco could have a few options at quarterback. What do you think San Francisco does now going forward? Do you think they stick with C.J. Beathard? Or do they make a play for a free agent quarterback, a trade for a quarterback? What do you think the Niners do without Garoppolo? They're going
5: with Beathard, and I keep waiting to see all this outcry from the media that they need to re-sign Kaepernick. haven't seen that because every other team that needs a quarterback, you see the media talking about how they ought to sign Kaepernick. But maybe C.J. Beathard, he started a few games last year as a rookie before they uh, traded for Garoppolo, and maybe he should be better in his second year. But I think we looking back, we overrated the 49ers. Some people are picking them to win the division. Right now, imagine what an exciting Super Bowl it would be with Kansas City and the Rams.
3: Yeah, uh, I'd rather imagine another team in there. But I guess that's what I'll have to do if things don't turn around miraculously. John, what about the New England Patriots losing at Detroit last night? We always say, we always ask, and I asked Andre this earlier, is this it for them? And it's been asked many times and people have been wrong. But what do you think about the state of the Patriots right now?
5: They didn't look very excited to play that game. Uh, the Lions were, of course, and Tom Brady was off target. Brady had played well, pretty well at Jacksonville. He had two touchdowns, no interceptions. But I think not giving Brady weapons other than Gronkowski is catching up to the offense. They uh, they're not running the ball. Their defense should have been better. Based on the way they've played so far, it just shows you what kind of opportunity the Texans had to win up there. But they'll go back to Gillette Stadium. I think they play the Dolphins. Yes. And uh, if the Dolphins the three and and0 Dolphins. Yeah, if the Dolphins win that game, we're going to be like, whoa. But I'm not so. I'm never going to say they're not going to bounce back. So I'm going to say yes, the Patriots are going to bounce back.
0: John, do you think Hugh Jackson will make it official today and name Baker Mayfield the starter? And if he doesn't. What's going on? (laughs) Oh
5: yeah, of course he will. He he didn't. He wanted to make sure that Tyrod Taylor heard it from him. You know, he didn't do it after the game, and of course you can't do that. You can't have players learning it from the media or social media. And Hugh Jackson's handling it exactly the right way. And of course, there's going to be an incredible buzz in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield starting now. We all knew it was coming; just a matter of when.
0: Spencer Tillman also joined us this morning, and I couldn't help after starting 0-3 but think about the 1993 Oilers. And I started with that question for Spencer. Spencer, in 1993, that famous year, you guys had a ton of expectations, a ton. And you come out of the gates really slow. You come out, what, 1-3 and or 1-4 or whatever it was. And it's one of the seasons a lot of people, if you lived in Houston, talk about because it's one where you guys rebounded. You had a lot of veterans on that team. You had a lot of very accomplished veterans on this team. This one's a little different, but you still have a lot of guys that have been around and won a lot of football games, but dealing with the expectations, they haven't played well. What got you guys going in 93 or in that year when you had a lot of expectations? What got you guys going in the right direction, and do you think something similar can happen for this team as well, or are the two teams so polar opposite diametrically opposed that it can't be that same way they have to do it differently
6: john that's a very insightful question and the answer is important i mean it is vastly important the team needs to know it fans need to know it, it the same reason teams can bounce back after difficult start is the same reason why a kid may drop out of high school when they lose hope to graduate they drop out when a team lose hope to win, that's when they shut down. But the the one thing that we had in common with those that team you mentioned is talent. We were replete with talent. That that team that you just mentioned had more talent than the 49er team we won back to back Super Bowls with. That much I I will go to my grave making that that commitment and that statement. So this team has talent, and for for the most part, that talent is healthy. The ones that were key cogs in the, the, the offense and the defense last year that weren't available are available now. So there's no rational reason why you can't think. If we're thinking the same way, if the coaches are seeing what our assets are, making the right decisions and deploying them accordingly, according to the game plan that works. And don't be afraid to change. Look, that defensive front you were facing was pretty stout, pretty athletic. And so if something is not working, forget the fact that you were the number one rushing team in the league in the abbreviated you know two games that we had had to this point. The bottom line is not working today. So be confident enough to do some things that are different. And to the extent that you're willing to do that, I think it's important. I mean, they pay their guys a hell of a lot of money to stop them from doing what you're coaching your guys a lot to do. I mean, we got great coaches. we got great confidence. We're just not doing our best job right now at this moment. We're going to bounce back. The Texans are going to be back. But, listen, they've got to understand. And, and listen, John, you are around the college game a lot. You watch this. I had the same conversation with Scott Frost. He understood exactly at at Nebraska, really quick. I know we're probably up against it. He knew what he was dealing with. You went back and looked at his his, uh, press conference when he took that job. And, again, this has nothing to do with wives and spouses and all that stuff. The bottom line is he didn't put his family in, in that. It was him by himself. The, the son is coming back home to re- re- resurrect the program. He didn't want anybody in his family to be touched by that. He made that clear because he understood the fans that were embracing him now will be the same ones that were turning on him if they ended up 0-3. So he has a big-picture purview of things. The challenge here is, everybody's expectation was not like that. We didn't come in with this. We've got to shift the culture. We've got to change all that. We were ready to run. We were ready to sprint. So now that you get popped in the mouth a little bit, how do you respond? But I have to go back, uh, and I think it was Epictetus said, the crisis doesn't make the team or the man. It merely exposes what's already there. So we're going to find out what the team is comprised of. But I think the talent is there. That's what gives us hope.
3: Spencer, one more for you here on the defense, because I look at the way the defense is played in the Bill O'Brien era. They get better as the season goes along. I don't know why that is, because usually you figure offense is ahead of the defense, or defense is ahead of the offense, rather, in most football situations. But what do you think of this unit? They had a rough first half. They got it going. But then again, they needed a clutch stop at the end, couldn't get it like last week. And I know they're wanting to work on that, wanting to improve that, but it happened again.
6: Mark, offenses are so eclectic. Even the hapless Giants coming into this was not a very good offensive team. They were struggling to score points. But once they figure out what they do, and you listen to Odell Beckham and some of the players, uh, you know, Shepherd and company, all of those guys who were playing in the slot position, they said that they had success because they were relaxed. They were having fun, just playing the game. And when you can play that way, you know, on the offensive side of the ball, things work. Now, defensively, it's about counterpunching. What I look for to determine whether or not a defense is having success is what do you do against an offense that's having success in the second half? They scored on their first four possessions, but they, the, the Texans totally flipped that script in the second half. I don't worry about a slow start for a defense. That doesn't bother me at all. I want to see how you respond to the success that they're having on the offensive side of the ball. And to me, the Texans get more than a passing grade on that. And if you want to talk about individual players, J.J. Watt is back, y'all. He's back. And so that's what I look at. I'm not really worried about Romeo and the defense of having a quote-unquote slow response to it. That's to be expected. You know, offense tends to do that if you're good. In this era that we're in right now, things are so complex, you it's about how you respond to it. So you get the guys in at halftime, say, look, this is what they're doing successfully. Now here's how we're going to counter that. And then when you can flip the script on them and then deny them three their first one, two, three, and outs, as opposed to four scoring drives consecutively in the first half, that's amazing. That tells me your defense is playing at a high level.
0: Huge thanks to Mark. To Andre, to Spencer, to John McClain, to Jordan Thomas, Ryan Griffin, Tyron Matthew, and everybody who listened, participated on this show. Really appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.